time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Hello, 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 my friends, and welcome back to The Right Conversations. Today, I this episode is such a long time coming, and I'm really, really, really excited about it. Um, today's episode is called A Conversation About the Wisdom of Jealousy, and we have Dr. Jolie Hamilton with us. Will you share with everyone listening who you are, what you do, and anything you want them to know about you, my dear? Well, first, thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I'm like thrilled to be here. And I I think that the number one thing the audience should know is that um, I love relationships. I call myself the coach for couples who color outside the lines because I don't like to get too specific about exactly what I do. <laughs> um, I love that. <laughs> I, yeah, I like I like helping people make the transformation of mindset from monogamy to non-monogamy, but not necessarily because they want to practice in one specific way, right? So mm -hmm. I coach rather than act as a licensed therapist, and I absolutely love my research as well. So I, I'm a PhD level researcher. I do interpretative phenomenological analysis, specifically on the area of jealousy. And I've studied it in the non-monogamous container and the monogamous container. And yeah, I'm just a jealousy enthusiast. <laughs> I I just love how many people heard that right now and, is, and are like, what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can like, only, I'm putting myself <laughs> in their position like 10 years ago and hearing, you know, I'm a jealousy enthusiast. I'd be like, fuck you, lady. What are you talking about? 100%. Exactly. And I've been there too. I my entry into jealousy the reason it follows me everywhere is because i accidentally tattooed the kanji symbol for zeal which is the greek root for jealous zealous to jealous on my back uh, oh my at goodness. the beginning of my first non-monogamous triad um thinking that it meant stood for intensity and passion for all of life which it does and the translator assured me it does but it also invited jealousy to be very close to me and so I decided that there was a reason for that. And what I found over the last 13 years, spending every day in touch with jealousy is that I don't have to enjoy the feeling of jealousy to be grateful for its gifts, to be mm. glad that it exists. Mm. Okay, so let's, let's dive in. <sighs> Where do you want to start when, when talking about jealousy? I know that one of the things that I still to this day get asked often when I share that I am non-monogamous is don't you get jealous? Yeah. And my response to that, which is usually asked by a monogamous person is, yeah, of course I do. Don't you? Right. 
Right. And usually is, I get this like blank stare. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, my, my actual research questions came from a lot of conversations exactly like that. They like, oh, I could never do that because I'd be jealous or monogamous people warning me, being very frightened for me on my behalf with a deep caring, like what about the jealousy? And this was in, in many ways, not just the romantic jealousy. They were worried, um, my close friends were worried, like, well, won't you get jealous if your um, children wind up having other people who love mm -hmm. them? Won't you get jealous if you have to share um, a close friend? Like they were very, very concerned and my answer is absolutely the same as yours. I absolutely still experience jealousy. And I have found that it, it is 100% easier to deal with from the perspective of this is natural, this is normal. And if I try to kill it, crush it, cure it, I'm going to not only miss the lessons, but I'm also going to miss my opportunity to know what the heck it showed up for. It had a reason. There was a reason it happened. And yes. I don't want to miss that. Okay. So let's, I want to go two different directions and I'll kind of let you pick which one we want to go down first, which is what the fuck is jealousy? And then when it does pop up, what do you recommend people do with it? Yeah. Okay. So let's take a deep breath <laughs> and uh, if you're jealous right now, even hearing this conversation might be triggering. Mm -hmm. It might send you into a, a body state, an embodied state of um, tightness in your stomach, uh, hot flashes, um, burning behind your chest. Your throat might feel tight. You might have tingling behind your neck. Uh, that's what that's my primary signal. Mm. The very first thing I would have someone do is just notice what your body is doing when the topic of jealousy comes up. Mm. Double down on that. Notice what happens when the topic of jealousy is not just a topic, but it's happening. It's yours. It's your jealousy. If you can start to identify those sensations, then we are going to be so much further down the road when we talk about the other cognitive steps that we can take to work with jealousy productively. So, so really identifying right it somatically first. 100% true. You have to do that because if we don't, what I find is people come into my, my circle, right? And we're always going to wind up talking about jealousy, no matter where their work is aimed. If you can't identify it somatically, the struggle is going to be that you, it's going to be further down the road, right? So the somatic clue is likely going to be the earliest clue that you get that jealousy is present. And so if you can start to notice it, you'll you'll be ready to do the things that we're going to talk about when we identify what jealousy is what it's for and what we can do to really help not suffer with jealousy and instead just experience jealousy i love that so you said that for you it's a tingle in the back of your neck yeah 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 I get, it's like my spidey sense yeah yeah i uh i really resonated with the hot flash um stomach combo for me mm -hmm. i'm like I somehow want to throw up and I'm seeing stars at the same time. Yeah. And I'm really hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people in my research studies, they'll talk about twisting, nodding, clenching, yeah. tightness, heaviness. Like these are the words that get thrown out. And there, there's a lot of energy frequently in the trunk and abdomen. Like that's the area that people most frequently talk about. So 
If you're not feeling any sensations that you can identify, maybe turn your attention toward your tummy and your chest right behind your sternum and just let yourself think about a recent a recent-ish time when you felt jealous and just tune into it and see if maybe there's something in there because that's that's that first clue. And all you need to do is bookmark it. You don't need to do anything from there. Do the most soothing activity that you have. If you you know do breath work, take a few breaths. If um, moving your body is a good way to release that stress too. So from there, cool yourself back down. Like right now, I'm actually going to literally shake it out because I just talked about it. And so I'm going to shake it out and make sure I'm here again because jealousy is messy mm. and it can't help it that it can't help it. So if you want to talk about what jealousy is, I think now we're ready to do that. Perfect. Let's do it. Awesome. Okay. So jealousy is the, the fear, right? That I will have my love connection, some beloved relationship that I care about interrupted by a perceived interrupter, uh, interrupter, someone I imagine or actually see as a potential threat to the bond, the connection. So the way I visualize this is jealousy is a triangle. I stand at one point, my beloved, and this could be a romantic partner, a friendship, a parent. Um, this could even be someone who you just care about a lot, but it's in a very platonic sense, like a boss or mm. a teacher, right? But the, the key is that there's a relationship I care about and they stand at another point on the triangle. And then there's the interrupter. And I say the perceived interrupter because you can imagine jealousy into existence, right? So there doesn't have to be an actual, like objectively measured threat. If you right. perceive the threat, there you go. We have jealousy. It's there. The, the next thing I like to notice is, so there's the triangle and that's how I identify and tell the difference between jealousy and envy. And this mm. is super helpful because a lot of people use these words interchangeably Yeah, in our culture. We just do. And in fact, jealousy is more frequently talked about and, um, but not dealt with really helpfully. So envy is about me wanting what someone else has or longing to be like them. Right? So it's just this, this me and them. There's two points. And the reason I want to sort these out is because the core of jealousy is this fear of interruption, right? And it's about three people. And the core of envy is about longing. And so that longing feeling, it, you're going to work with it very differently. Though some of the same tools, the somatic tools, they're going to work either way. But as we start to move into cognitive reframes, as we start to talk about these two different emotions, if we sort them out, I can say, oh, I'm envious of the promotion my colleague just got, but I'm not actually threatened that that is somehow going to break the bond to my boss. I feel appreciated. I'm just also really envious. So right? envious is wanting the thing and then jealousy, it could be wanting the thing and feeling threatened. There's the thing. Envy frequently lives inside jealousy because if I am feeling this jealousy, I'm feeling the potential for the interruption. I may also be perceiving that this interrupter has qualities that I don't have. We start to get into comparison. Mm. Envy is inherently about comparison, right? And the studies tell us this. The definition itself tells us this. It, we're comparing. I don't have this or I'm not this. So I absolutely might have an 
very frequently, I will have envy going on at the same time I have jealousy going on. And this is why they get all conflated and mixed up. But jealousy is about being worried that the, the bond between me and my beloved is going to be broken. Okay. Okay. So without a threat, without the feeling of threat, just wanting the thing, envy, not jealousy. Yeah, that's it. Beautiful. That's it. Beautiful. So what else makes up jealousy then? Just feeling threatened? Yeah, I wish it were that simple, right? Because if it were just feeling, <laughs> you know, if it were just, just feeling threatened, it would be, it might be that we would have one way that we could work with it, right? Mm -hmm. Jealousy, though, is what we call a complex emotion. And the literature going back a very, very long time tells us that this complex emotion is made up of yep, fear. Of course, we've got that right off the bat because we're fearing mm -hmm. loss of something, but also anger, sadness, anticipatory grief shame, and you name it, any other emotion can also go hide under the blanket of jealousy, right? So we got to, we got to pull the blanket off and see what's going on underneath it. And if we do that, what we realize is our jealousy is going to be relatively unique to us. It's going to have its own sort of fingerprint that it's the way that it shows up for us, which makes it tricky to turn to my friend and say, my God, I'm just struggling so much. This sucks so bad. I'm so jealous because their jealousy may be completely different for them. They may have a different mix of these emotions. And so the tools that they use to deal with it may be completely different and, and yet very effective. And so then we feel like a failure because the mm -hmm. tools that everybody says should work don't work for us. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have to make a custom approach to your jealousy and really customize to different relationships and different settings and different ways that jealousy comes up. Oh, this is so good. I, I'm sure that you hear this all the time and, and I also do, which is, I don't understand. I've worked through this. Why yeah. is it still here? I know logically my partner isn't going to leave me. I know logically that this is an and and not an or when there's someone else involved. Why do I still feel like I want to vomit my guts out? Oh, yeah. Okay, because your prefrontal cortex <laughs> that, you know, your your developed logical, rational brain absolutely gets it. Yeah, yeah awesome. We're there. We, we've got it. We, we've done the things and we've talked it all out and we may have even put safety mechanisms in place. Unfortunately, jealousy, researchers can spot jealousy as early as five and six months old in infants, in human infants. Wait, They're really? Four. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. So the studies that show that jealousy can be spotted are, of course, in connection to their primary caregiver. So if we have an emotional response that is so hardwired into us in order to connect us to our primary caregiver, who is literally our source of survival, our source of getting access to food, safety, having our wet diapers changed, all the things, right? If it's wired in there, it's not living in the prefrontal cortex. That's not where it is. So all the cognitive strategies in the world, they're helpful, but we have to do something to regulate and deal with our limbic system, deal with our, deal with our old brain so that we can actively get back to, oh, wait, I do know. I, do, I have worked this through. I have made peace with it because we're not there. We're, we're back in survival brain. We're back in, if we really seriously, you're, you're a toddler, you're a baby. Yeah. Of course, the logic doesn't work. I've raised a lot of babies. Logic doesn't work. <laughs> oh, yes. I wish. 
that is very true. My, my therapist, um, a couple of weeks ago gave me this beautiful analogy that really resonated with me, which this just reminded me of, which was, um, you know, I, I was feeling some feelings come up and she said, Rachel, she, she said, if, if you were three years old and you were in your house and you thought or saw that there was a fire and you saw your parents running around and, and you're running around saying, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. There's a fire. There's a fire. And your parent came over to you and said, it's okay. We have a fire extinguisher in the closet. We have, we know what to do. We have this and just met you with logic. She goes, what, yeah. what would happen? And I was like, At nothing. I would still be freaking out and saying fire. Yep. And she's like, yeah, exactly. That is a beautiful analogy. Cause yeah, even if you get right down on their level and yep. you, and you, and you, and you're like, okay, I'm going to tell you exactly what's happening. None of that matters. Yeah. If your body thinks there's an emergency and right. that's where having the skills of self-regulation and co-regulation become absolutely necessary parts to add to our relationships. And they're not sufficient. Like I wish they were because that that would be great, but it's not enough to just get to level. We also have to have the cognitive strategies. It's so it's, it's all of this. This is why jealousy doesn't go away. I'm 13 years into, you know, non-monogamy in so many different ways, but yeah, jealousy doesn't go away because it takes all of these different aspects and all these different ways I have to work with it. And then it always can come back and trigger that little teeny child inside of me, mm. which is hard. So it sounds like as a general rule of thumb, if someone wants to address their jealousy, starting to talk to themselves as though they were a little kid. Yup. Absolutely. I have a bunny who I, um, mm. absolutely. If I, so jealousy comes up, I go grab this bunny. I got this stuff bunny on purpose specifically for jealous times. Like she is my cue for myself to start talking that way. I mm. often will have clients go out. I'm like, go take yourself on a shopping trip to a toy store. Go find yourself a snuggle. You need a, you need a stuffy or you need, you need something to help you really allow yourself to talk to yourself that gently. Because usually when jealousy comes up, if we're talking about non-monogamy, when's it going to come up, come up when you're alone because your partner's out on a date. Yep. With, like, like, so let's, yeah, let's talk to ourselves with this deep gentleness, eschew logic, provide ourselves with a sense of embodied safety and comfort. And that's where for me, like having a stuffed animal really, really makes a difference because then I'm like, wow, I'm really taking seriously the care of this inner child part, mm. really taking it seriously. I'm not just, I'm not just saying words. No, nope. yeah. I'm snuggling. Yeah. I'm wrapped in a blanket. I got the things. I got my I got my broth, whatever I need. Yeah. So how does someone figure out or what do you recommend? How how does someone start to figure out what they need? Yeah. Well, one of the things that comes up for my clients is that often they have done a couple things as they as they entered into non-monogamy or as they even think about <laughs> just the concept of it. They they often either jump into the deep end and start imagining into or actually acting on um, like just jumping into sexual play, sex, deep, intimate relationships, like really intense. Yeah. Or they have been talking about it so long that they've built up this elaborate fantasy mm -hmm. 
of how the depth of connection and the depth of feeling, the depth of sensation, right? And either end of that spectrum, it, I find it leaves people in a place where they don't really know what their lived experience of jealousy will be. So what I ask people to do is pick a smaller moment of jealousy, something mm -hmm. that's not huge, something that's not about you know, like your greatest fear. Pick a smaller moment of jealousy to start practicing to see what will work because we need to we need to test it right we need to actually like assess how does the jealousy show up does this help so using um a stuffed animal as a an an, op, an option a way that you might take a mm -hmm. step if i imagine a time not a present partner of my partners but a past partner if i in a time when I can be reflective, I have general safety and quiet in my in my area. If I can let myself remember into a time when I felt jealous and it worked out okay. I felt jealous, but it also worked out okay. So for a client of mine just, just this past week, they were remembering into a time when their partner did not answer the phone. Um, they were supposed to be <laughs> within contact and their partner didn't answer their phone. Oof. Uh, uncomfortable. That happened Very to me one time and you saying that, my hands are literally dripping sweat. <laughs> right, right. So they went into full panic at the time, yeah. but the thing is it resolved very quickly. That's why I say this was a small moment because it resolved very quickly. Mm -hmm. About seven or eight minutes went by and their partner called, called them, but on a different phone. They didn't, like something had happened with the phone, it was broken, whatever. So they sure. got a phone call from their partner. So it was a very short, time that this happened so she just remembered into it like okay how did i feel she let herself feel it and this time she let herself feel it with a blanket wrapped around her a stuffed animal and the intention to talk to herself like she was a three-year-old just like you said and so she checked did those things work and what i what i found interesting was her report back was that she actually felt a little cloistered like the blanket and like the super soft like childlike environment felt a little cloistering for her hmm. so she tried it again and this time she got up and walked and she walked in a in an infinity symbol so she was pacing but she was pacing in a sim in a like in the infinity in an, in a figure eight mm -hmm. she was pacing in a figure eight which is just good in general like our, our nervous system tends to like that she was pacing like that still holding the stuffy still talking to herself calmly. She got a great response. Her response was that the st stomach knot stopped hurting and she was able to breathe again. She was able to take full exhales. Okay, great. She had a positive response. So now she has a little bit of evidence about what might work to work with jealousy when it's active. And the trick is write that down because when jealousy comes up, so I literally write it down or if somebody's on Zoom, I'm like, write it down on a sticky note right now and go put that where you can find it because you need to create the smallest possible, easiest access move to take the next time jealousy comes up. Because remember, yes. you're gonna get shifted back to that, you know, six month old, two year old yep. space. So I need it actually written down. I still have my jealousy reminders on my bathroom mirror. In fact, I was out of my house all summer. I didn't have them. I noticed, I noticed the difference. Interesting. Write it down. I mean, you that makes plan. so much sense to me. I I often encourage clients to make um, 
if somebody's struggling, let's say with like seasonal depression or in and out of depressive episodes, when they're not in that state, I will have them write a joy menu. And it's yes. just simply items that they know bring some level of joy. And we talk about how it's impossible to do that when you're in a place of needing the thing. But when we're not in that headspace, we can think, oh, yeah, okay, this this works. This is what helps me. And then when you're in that space, you can better look at it and take action. So it sounds very similar. Absolutely. I want to quickly interrupt this episode to talk about my latest project with Best Self Co. If you don't already know, Best Self Co. is a brand with a range of simple yet meaningful tools that help people achieve their goals, be more productive, and create positive change in their life. I've had the pleasure of working with Best Self Co. on a few projects, the latest being their brand new Intimacy After Dark deck. This 150-card conversation deck is a tool for talking about and exploring sex to bring more connected intimacy into your life. The deck was designed with all relationship structures in mind and includes a conversation framework adapted and approved by me that guides you through consensual and comfortable conversations about sex. Best Self was so kind to provide a code to my listeners so that you can get your hands all over the Intimacy After Dark deck before it's gone. Use the code RACHEL, R-A-C-H-E-L, during checkout at bestself.co and get 30% off the new Intimacy After Dark deck. That's bestself.co and code RACHEL for 30% off the new After Dark deck. I want to thank Best Self Co. for being one of today's podcast sponsors. Now, back to our conversation. And I have a little um, addendum to that too, because jealousy is a special case because frequently when jealousy comes up, um, everything in us wants to point our fingers outwards and be like, you you change your behavior so that I'll feel different, right? And that makes Mm -hmm. sense because when you're a toddler, that's what you do. Um, (laughs) But it it doesn't, you know, it's not a really effective long-term strategy for a growth-oriented relationship. So- But where it comes up with jealousy is my partner, my anchor partner, who's going to be around the most, um, well, they might know (laughs) like what my best jealousy moves are. And with jealousy, I might sort of expect them to provide those things without me asking. And this is where we get into tricky stuff because now am I actually embracing the tools that I have? Am Am I equipping myself fully to work with jealousy both in a self-regulation mode and co-regulation, or am I requiring my partner to like memorize my jealousy tools and then employ them? And so that's why I like to take a specific action, like write it down. So even, even though I want your partner, like, yes, awesome. Have your partners help you and empower yourself to be able to do this because that's where we can start really being more flexible and fluid in how our relationships look. Um, and I don't know another way. I've never seen another thing work yeah. other than starting to take these baby steps toward the independent regulation around jealousy. So I want to ask you something that I get asked often, which is how do you know when it is something to ask your partner to shift like hey i think i want a different agreement or this isn't working for me versus i haven't figured out how to regulate my own jealousy yet yeah okay 
I get asked this all the time. And I mean, most of my work, like there is sort of hinges around relationship agreements. Like that's a central piece, which is yeah. why to my mind, I don't really care whether people want non-monogamy or monogamy or whether they want, I want them to have that conscious, explicit agreement right. and move things out of the implicit category into explicit. So I get asked this and, and one of the questions I'll ask back is, well, how frequently does this come up? You know, how is this a, you know, has this come up once and now you're like, boom, I, I need a change, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like you, like you're not even, you get five minutes into your partner doing something new and you're, you're panicked. You're like, you're like, I, nope, I want to renegotiate done. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And were you, was, was the rest of your threat bucket well-managed when you had a big reaction? Because if your threat bucket was already filled up and then, you know, say your partner is, let's say this time you're at a party together and you're watching your partner, maybe that's harder for you. Okay. Well, if my threat bucket is like got plenty of room, maybe I can handle it. If it doesn't though, and I freak out and it's the first time I'm witnessing my partner playing with somebody else, I want a resource and, and first figure out a way that I could titrate the dose of that exposure before I rewrite the whole agreement, right? Mm -hmm. So let's like really get a little bit more methodical about how are we going to fashion experiments that let me figure out what the right amount for me is now. Mm. And if I just, if I only work at the level at which I feel 100% comfortable, I'm like really, really, really comfortable. Well, it's going to be really hard to break the status quo. It's going to be really hard to swim upstream. So we got to be in that space where we can stretch a little bit, but also intentionally experiment so that it's not just, well, I agreed to this, so I guess I got to do it because that's yes. no good either. Yes. So how the, the internal process of kind of encouraging yourself to stretch while not doing exactly what you just said, which I think we've all been in that position of like, well, I, I said right. that this is what I wanted. So here we are. I'll just sit here and be fucking miserable and terrified. How, how do you recommend people? So let's say, let's use your party example. You know, you go to a party, it's your first time seeing your partner play with someone else and you're sitting there and you're like, okay, yep. I listened to that podcast episode. I'm having an intense reaction. This is the first time I'm not going to rewrite our agreements. And I'm deeply uncomfortable and don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. Okay. So if you're there, my, my first step is going to be always to turn to what are my, what tools have I equipped myself with beforehand? So how do you regulate your nervous system? Mm. What's like your nervous system has its own operating manual. So before you get to that party, I need you to have some sense of what a good a couple of tools that will help you self-regulate. And that could be, it could be breathing, but it can also be moving, walking. Um, it could be finding, I have a rescue playlist on my phone. So I won't go to a party without headphones so that I can pop them in and listen oh my to my God. rescue playlist. I love that. Like, and nobody else cares. Nobody cares that I have my, my AirPods in, like whatever. I've gone so far as to change the music that's playing. Just ask the host, like, hey, can we play this particular song? Yeah, they're taking requests for songs anyways. And these, these songs are things that are meant to bring me joy, right? Mm. Because what I want to do is shift myself away from the, the fear 
and into joy. There are a whole bunch of tools. So deep exhalations, you know, long exhalations, longer than your inhalation, the, the data tells us that that works for our bodies. But some people get really pissed off when they're told to breathe. So you don't have to breathe. It could be music. It could be get up and go away. I, I've been known to go outside and do jumping jacks and, mm -hmm. and push-ups and like move, like really release a stress mm -hmm. cycle. I have a client who will literally go to a party and yeah, they're like, I'm, I might be on my phone for part of it. And that's intentional, thoughtful dissociation. He's like, mm -hmm. yep, I might take 20 minutes and go watch something that I know is supportive. You know, they go watch a Joe Parra video or something and they're just like, mm -hmm. yep, I'm going to do this because this is how I learn how much I can tolerate without just freaking out in that first five minutes. You got to give yourself a chance to come back to homeostasis. I, this is, I'm so excited for everyone listening to hear this. I'm just, this is amazing. So, okay. If you had to speak, if you were jealousy and you were talking to anyone listening and you wanted to share what your wisdom is, uh, what would you say? What a wonderful question. Okay. So I am jealousy. I personify jealousy as many figures. One is Hera. One is Loki. These are figures most people have heard of. Hera, Greek mythology, deeply jealous. Loki, deeply jealous of his sibling relationship, right? Like his bond mm -hmm. to his father. <sighs> the gods are perfect in their imperfectness. They get to be jealous and they do have wisdom. I'm here to tell you that you care deeply. You are human. And part of being human is that you care about connection. Right now, you might be feeling like isolating. You might feel like cutting every tie. You might feel like punishing the third. That, those are the actions of gods. Punishing the third, cutting yourself off from everyone, those are not the actions of humans. When I show up, jealousy, I'm here to tell you that you care deeply and you get to turn toward, you get to turn toward yourself, your younger selves. You get to turn toward partners in ways that you've agreed upon and ways that, that help fuel you and make you feel safe. You get to turn to other resources. You get to turn to friends. You get to turn to your therapist. You get to turn to support and say, jealousy showed up and this is hard. This is really hard. And when you do, I will know you see me. And when you see me, I can release my gra grasp a little bit. Mm -hmm. I grasp so hard because my job is to tell you that you care so much so see me. Mm. That's how I would oh. speak as jealousy. Thank you. One last question for you. I, we, I could talk to you for five hours. Um, <laughs> how can people use their jealousy to not only, we've talked about connecting deeper with self a lot. Yeah. How mm -hmm. could it be used to connect deeper with the person? 
in, in the triangle, like the partner person. Yeah. Yeah. There's the thing. So I always use the word beloved because I don't care what your connection is. It's yeah. This, love that. You care so much that you're like this, this one. Jealousy is an invitation to deeper intimacy. If you create a relational norm that says it is not just okay, but encouraged to speak about jealousy with frankness and without asking each other to fix it. So if I can create a, a total relational norm where I'm like, I get to say I'm jealous, you get to say you're jealous, and neither of us is going to take that as a, now you have to change because I said I'm jealous, you have to change. We're gonna relax around that and say, jealousy is welcome. The word jealousy is welcome. The feeling jealousy is welcome. And we're not gonna take fast action. We're gonna get thoughtful and we're gonna get embodied together. And we're going to instead start noticing, what is it that I feel threatened about? Am I comparing myself to others? Cool, I can ask for reassurance. You could provide me reassurance without even my asking. You could remind me that partners um, are incommensurate, that they can't be measured against each other. Or if what I'm seeking is to know that even though there is a difference between us, that there's just this deep value of our relationship as it is, we can show each other. We can, we can engage more fully in our relationship. And that might look like more time, but it also might look like stretching into new areas of growth. Like what have we been, what have we been needing to work on? Do we want to um, take up a new hobby together? Do we need, do we actually want to like lean into this relationship a little bit? Is that what I want? Is that how it would help? If jealousy comes up and it's telling me that I care about someone, if I stay in the childlike mind the whole time, if I only deal with the childlike part, it's likely that I'm gonna stop after getting reassured. Like, okay, I'm reassured I should feel better. So if you want to take that further and head off into the like adolescent part and then into the adult part, then I want to use jealousy to tell me not only do I care about this person, but I'm interested in them. I am curious about them. I want to know more about them. And I want to learn how I can stand in this tension of, of my imagined threat or the real threat even and observe their sacred autonomy, how very other they are, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really see that. And if I can truly stand in my own body and see my partner as a sacred autonomous other, well, holy shit, like <laughs> there is nothing more intimate than that. Mm. So go for it. But and let yourself do this in doses. It doesn't have to be all at once. I've been working on this for 13 years. I'm still working on it. I don't expect I'll ever stop working on it. Yeah. So for people who think that they are not good at non-monogamy or not good at being a human because yeah. they feel jealousy come up, whether that's at work, in their relationships, family, whatever. What do you want to say to those people? Yeah. Okay. First off, jealousy is normal. I, we said that at the beginning. I'm going to say it again. Jealousy is normal. Mm -hmm. It's normal in all kinds of relationships. It's normal in any human connection. And there is no uh, authoritative body that's going to pass you your, your polyamorous card. So please <laughs> release yourself from the idea that there is a set of rules because I, I looked. There's none. There's none. Hey, me like, too. <laughs> yeah. 
There's none. So first off, let's release ourselves from the idea that there is anyone who gets to tell us whether we're good at this or bad at this. If you're telling yourself you're good at it or bad at it, then I want you to really, really embrace the idea that in fact, jealousy is part of this process, right? Like, like I was just saying, like, if there was no jealousy at all, I might actually miss out on some opportunities for growth, which isn't to say people have to feel jealousy, but I can celebrate it and be like, okay, it showed up. I've got this opportunity. I have a very low jealousy partner. He doesn't get this opportunity very often. Um, so he has to look for his relational work in a different place. So honestly, it's in some ways a really lovely gift. It's slippery and slimy and I don't love it all the time, but it's a gift. And then I also just want to encourage people to, rem to remember that jealousy is about fear, right? It, and the if we are trying really hard to move from jealousy to joy, we might be trying to move from jealousy to compersion really fast, right? Mm. Like really fast. Yep. And compersion, that like joy for our partner's joy. It's great, but that often what I find is it's not so much that people feel like I'm a bad polyamorous person because I feel jealous. It's that they feel like they're not compersive enough mm. or they haven't gotten it far enough. But <laughs> jealousy isn't the raw material for compersion joy is the raw material of compersion so and joy isn't the raw material of jealousy joy and jealousy aren't the same thing so release yourself from needing to move in a smooth linear fashion from jealousy to compersion we can feel both at the same time and the researcher um dr marie tuin her work on compersion tells us that compersion will will absolutely sit side by side with jealousy and that's what my work on jealousy says too so you can hear it from both of us. You can have both of these feelings at the same time. And that doesn't make you good at this or bad at this. It just makes you human. Oh, amen. Thank you so, so, so much for your work in the world, for your time here today, for the just oozing of love and support that you exude. I, I am so grateful. And I know that so many people listening will, will feel the same. Where can people find you if they want to continue to learn from you and, and watch your work in the world? Um, the easiest place to find me is either on Instagram at Dr. Jolie underscore Hamilton. It's J-O-L-I underscore Hamilton, just like the musical. Um, and <laughs> if they want to, if you want to follow my work, I suggest you go to joliequiz.com because at J-O-L-I-Q-U-I-Z, it's a 10 question quiz, BuzzFeed style, but I built it out of my research. And at the end of that, it's designed to help you figure out whether you're ready to open happily. But even if you're already practicing non-monogamy, what I find is if people take the quiz, they can find out like where they are in their feelings about non-monogamy now. And from there, you're invited to come and learn what I find to be like the pillars of non-monogamy done in a healthy, satisfying way. Um, and I love to see people in those classes there. That's my free class. It runs monthly. So go to joliequiz.com and you'll get an invitation to check that out. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to you. And I look forward to, to working more together in the future. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, 
please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together. 